we will proceed with the uh, next paper uh, by gv shivakumar ji on origins of sustainability and environmentalism in vedic philosophy uh, he is from bangalore he is uh, uh, he has learned veda and he has learned some amount of sanskrit uh, but professionally he is an it professional but did a very good work on the vedic side please shivakumar ji thank you sir namaskar and uh, uh, pranams to the entire uh, guru parampara and thank you for everybody for the opportunity so i begin my uh, presentation can you please put the first slide so the topic is origins of sustainability and environmentalism in vedic philosophy fundamentally my proposition is that a solid philosophical base is very essential for us to have sustainability and environmentalism and vedic philosophy consists of many concepts well integrated into a framework that provides this base next slide please the structure of this presentation is such i shall first introduce the purushartha framework and what is the concern of purushartha we shall then move to what are those concepts in the vedas that provide a vision for a universe of life such as rata sthiti and the interrelationship between srishti sthiti and laya we shall then move to how sustainability is a consequence of this srishti sthiti laya relationship and the rata how all of this leads to a unique perspective of what change means that limits the need for material as opposed to what we have in modernity and we shall also see how these concepts in relation with the purushartha framework works towards sustainability then we shall see how dharma and moksha are fundamentals to all of this whereas in the modern world moksha has become a suspect and dharma as a perspective has weakened next slide please thank you so we shall dwell upon a little bit on what is the vision of the purusharthas all of you are aware that artha kama dharma and moksha are four elements of the purushartha framework artha represents the health the wealth the security that we have in life and the purpose for which we live are all artha whereas kama is the collection of all desires and fascinations of the human mind dharma which is not religion is the all binding balance that keeps everything together and moksha is the attainment of that state through renunciation and liberation where we are beyond everything so the artha gives us the instruments through which 
we can fulfill the desires and fascination of the mind, which is nothing but karma. Dharma sustains artha and karma, whereas moksha sustains dharma. This is the framework. Important element is the pursuit of artha of two people can clash. The pursuit of karma between two people can clash. Hence, dharma is required to ensure that there is a balance. And the fourth element that is very important, which is often forgotten, is that the pursuit of dharma itself becomes very difficult and almost impossible without the pursuit of moksha. Hence, moksha is not something just desirable, but a very essential aspect. Now, if this is the framework, I've introduced the elements of this framework, but there is a underlying concern in this Purusharthas. What is that? The underlying concern is that the Purusharthas aim to provide a framework of life enabling fulfillment in a most equitable and sustainable manner for an entire society. And this definition is important because the physical world's sustainability also comes from this definition of the Purusharthas. So the Purusharthas are concerned about ensuring a great today, the present, without losing the sight of the future. Beautiful today, but sustainable tomorrow. So a fulfilling life, but in the most sustainable manner. And hence you will see in India that Grihastha is very important because he sustains today's sannyasa. And sannyasa is important because it sustains the future grihastha. As a result, the concern of dharma and moksha is to create sustainable artha and kama for humanity. And hence comes sustainability and environmentalism because they are related to artha and kama. Next slide, please. So now we shall enter into the Vedic vision as to how that in complementary to the Purushartha framework is resulting in sustainability. Vedas provide a very unique vision of the universe of life. And in this vision of the universe of life, the physical world, the material world, the resources that we access are part of this as required for our lives. So this is not to be confused with the physical world in total, you know, all, or our need to exp, uh, you know, explain the physical world. This is about life that we lead. So that is the universe of life. So premise number one is that this universe of life is in constant motion. That is, it is changing, undergoing change all the time. And this is represented by Rita, which Dr. Nandika, Nandita Krishna mentioned, which is the cosmic order, which is the principles of the change. This means karma, which is fascination and desire, and artha, 
money, wealth, security are instruments of this change of life from one state to another state. The second premise is this universe of life should always be in equilibrium or it is always in equilibrium. That is, today we are in one state, tomorrow we go into another state and both states should be in the perfect state. That is the second premise, which is nothing but the concept of sthiti in Srishti Sthiti Laya. The universe always strives for sthiti, sthiti and that is what is represented in a lot of our Vedic uh, you know, stories and cons concerns and sensitivities and even in our epics. So these two premises, that is universe of life is in constant motion and change and universe of life should be in equilibrium all the time. They result in two implications. Recognition of change as a fundamental reality is there in Indian life. So change, you know, in the modern world, we keep talking about change is the only constant that is recognized in the Vedic vision of life. It is also recognized that change is the essential dynamic of the universe. That is, you know, because the sthiti is, you know, defined as sthiti and rata are defined like this, Change is very, very essential for us. Artha and Kama have the same status as Dharma and Moksha in this framework of life because of this, because Artha and Kama are the instruments of this change. So this leads to a very, very unique perspective of what change means, which is the crux of this presentation, which I'm going to deal with in the subsequent slides which is represented by what Sthiti and Rita means. And sustainability is a consequence of this universe of life and the perspective of change and hence environmentalism. So this universe of life, as I have defined over here, which is represented by Rita and Sthiti, it includes the physical world in part, but in this view of life, the physical world is not a passion to be pursued, but it only serves a very minimum purpose of life. And that is how the demand we place on material is very less in this universe of life. Next slide, please. So let's now look into the concept of Rita, which is the principles of natural flow that lead to change. Change is shaped by certain fundamental principles of natural flow, Veda says, which is Rita, which is the cosmic order. And please note that this is not a set of rules, but a set of principles. And it is very difficult to comprehend this, which requires great tapas. And hence we have rishis in the system. So the Rita is such that it is not the flow itself, it is not the change itself, but it is the principles that determine the change. So human beings have some freedom as to what we do and according to Rita, it changes. So we determine how this universe of life changes. And therein lies an immense amount of responsibility 
on us. Our actions can be in sync with Krita, which will then lead to Stiti. Or our actions may not be in sync with Krita, derailing Stiti, and that will result in some consequences. So in this architecture of life, then the pursuit of our collective set of actions that are in accordance with Krita, so that sthiti is maintained is very important. So this pursuit of the collection, collection of actions is nothing but dharma and that is infinite. So it is not reduced to a set of laws. It is infinite. Next slide, please. So then let us look into the uh, concept of um, just a minute. Let us look into the concept of uh, sthiti, which is the complementary concept. So if rita is the collection of principles that determine change, sthiti is actually the natural flow of the universe. So it will be in natural flow if we act according to rita. Otherwise, sthiti can get disturbed. But it is important to note that this sthiti is not a static equilibrium. That is, it is not in one constant state. Its nature is to change. Humanity can act according to Rita and ensure that it is changing always in a state of equilibrium. Hence, it is called as dynamic stable equilibrium. If you know physics, the concept of dynamic stable equilibrium is not there. We will talk about stable equilibrium, unstable equilibrium. Dynamism is in between. But in this concept, sthiti is at the same time is in equilibrium. At the same time, it is dynamic. So that is the perfect state which in some tradition it is called the Narayana state. In some traditions, it is called the Shiva state. Whichever tradition one belongs to. But this vision of the universe as being always dynamic, but always in a stable equilibrium is essentially an important sensitivity in the Indian civilization. But note that an important consequence of all of this is that in this vision of sthiti, creation of the new is integral to it. That is, srishti is very much part of this sthiti because sthiti changes. And for sthiti to change, srishti is required. And for sthiti to change, the old has to go. Hence, destruction of the past, that is laya, is also an integral component of this. As a result, the element of dynamic that is there in the sthiti, which is nothing but srishti, which is the positive force of change and novelty in life, it shifts, every sthiti act shifts current sthiti, but if it has to move to a next stable sthiti, then the srishti has to be good. That is the fundamental philosophy of srishti, sthiti, laya. That is why in India, Srishti is not universally celebrated. 
only if srishti is in line with prata and results in sthiti all the time is it celebrated essentially it is somewhat subordinated to sthiti so mankind's primary concern is to ensure that srishti srishti and laya are always in accordance to ruta and ensure sthiti so this this philosophical construction is the reason why there is a great concern for sustainability in india because srishti is not universally celebrated it is always celebrated in the context of sthiti which is dynamic but stable equilibrium next slide so we will now connect everything we have seen the paths of rita the rita is such that it is it is a collection of principles some paths of change from one sthiti to another sthiti is in rita some are not so some are good paths of change some are not good paths of change we want life to be always in sthiti hence we want paths of change to be always in line with rita and rishis alone can see such paths hence we need rishis in the system as a result the state of moksha is nothing but if you are always on the path of rita then you are always in sthiti which is the narayana state or the shiva state and dharma strives so that human actions are in line with rita resulting in sthiti and it, it is an infinite set of actions dharma in sanskrit is the binding force which is dharayati iti dharma dharayati is to hold keep together what does it keep together it keeps the universe together in the path of rita always striving for sthiti we also saw that the nature of the srishti is such that srishti ji i think uh, you are uh, gradually moving towards the winding up stage right yeah i i will i will take uh, two more slides so um so we'll let's move to the next slide so what is the the next two slides are the most important ones so the result of all of this is that in indian philosophy change is valued because it is part of srishti a sthiti but it is not necessarily progress it is progress only when it is in line with sthiti which means that independently progress and development are not defined it is always defined any creation is valued only when it maintains a certain balance and it is this philosophical construct that is translated into various traditions various practices that results in sustainability creation of the new is not universally celebrated in india change is valued progress is necessary but material world is not alone 
progress because it has to result in sthiti only then it is value and this philosophical construct is significantly different from modernity because in modernity there is a universal celebration of srishti there is near absence of moksha there is a vague definition of dharma and the relationship of srishti to sthiti is completely absent in the modernity and one of the reasons why the world in the last 300 years has resulted in a big overflow is because the srishti element is has been overglorified next slide please so um so i'll skip a uh, uh, a lot of this fundamentally the aspiration of the mankind should be to attain sthiti and act according to dharma and not overglorify srishti which means then we place a limitation on how much material we require in this world material world in indian philosophy is fascination desire meaning and security but not progress and development because srishti is subordinated to sthiti and this sensitivity is translated into the srishti represents artha and kama sthiti represents dharma and moksha and hence we have a philosophical rock solid base for sustainability and environmentalism because artha and kama are the roots through which we access the environment and unbridled freedom to artha and kama to through srishti is what results in environment suffering hugely so a lot of sensitivities that we have in veda the celebration of the nature celebration of everything else is a result of this i have one last slide uh, to present next slide please not this the next slide please the next slide please not this yeah so what is very important we have we have seen how dharma plays a role in you know controlling uh, artha and kama but why is moksha extremely important moksha is extremely important because in the path of renunciation there is immense amount of beauty of life that is defined modernity tends to denounce this because it looks like a negation of life however moksha defines immense amount of beauty in the path of attainment of moksha while there is as much beauty in attainment of artha and kama fulfillment of artha and kama through dharma but the path of moksha is immensely beautiful and it is that is what that makes it possible that, that has made it possible for the indian civilization to sustain that for 3000 to 4000 years the moment we lose this sensitivity of moksha and faith that there is beauty in the attain attainment and it is attainable it, it is real it is comprehensible even for the common man it is achievable even for a non intellectual and a non scholar if we do not have that faith then it is impossible for us to you know sustain dharma and artha 
and and sustainability and environmentalism so this is the summary of uh, my presentation so in summary let's go to the last slide the summary slides please yeah so the salient features of indian philosophy are sthiti means dynamic stable equilibrium it contains srishti and laya for its own purpose srishti is not celebrated universally artha and kama are important for us but they must be in accordance to dharma just as srishti must be in accordance to uh, sthiti and achieving moksha needs renunciation and this path of life is as beautiful as attaining you know your uh, fascinations and desires and wealth and everything else as a result in indian civilization progress is defined for the individual and progress is not defined in a material terms for entire society that you have to exploit the earth uh, or any other resource in an infinite manner so universal not defining universal and absolute progress in terms of the material is one of the reasons why sustainability is such an ingrained component in the indian civilization as a result we have community life diversity and so many other architectural components of indian civilization which then become an independent presentation all by itself so this is a summary of my uh, uh, presentation uh, thank you one and all i look forward to uh, any questions brilliant brilliant uh, uh, shivakumar ji uh, wonderful uh, it uh, actually that was uh, uh, the intention in placing this paper in the very beginning of the conference it lays very good foundation philosophical foundation for the discussion and there are uh, more philosophical papers uh, from abroad but because of uh, time uh, adjustment we had to put them in the evening session uh, we are going to have them and uh, there are a few questions uh, from uh, people Uh, some of these questions are to nandita krishna ji also or if she is there uh, there was this question from mahalakshmi ji one minute i'll just check uh, mahalakshmi ji's question uh, how do we reconcile between the sanatana tradition of nature worship versus western thinking on overpowering nature when today in india too the same western thought has become the norm and necessity for globalization that was the question to nandita krishnan ji from mahalashmi hey, that's a brilliant question that that must be the um, um key concern for all of us i think one good thing in indian tradition is that we try to find a place for everything nothing is rejected this insight i got from dr shatavadani r ganesh nothing is rejected but nothing is universalized so we have to find an appropriate place for what we encounter in our um, uh, engagements with the rest of the world and find appropriate places for them now we have accepted the progress and development as universal concepts which is a problem but we can contextualize it always and there are aspects in which we need progress and development but everybody all the time everybody does not have to celebrate technology everybody does not have to celebrate uh, everything so if we try to place things in within our civilization which requires lot of 
study which requires a lot of penance, as I would say, then, then I think we will have an answer. And, and I'm not saying we'll get answers in like, you know, few years. Uh, it will take as many years as we have drifted uh, away from our civilization. And uh, there is another question. I'm very keen to learn uh, from Soumya Ayerji. Uh, the question is about, uh, because while the concepts of scriptures are great and traditional societies are great, urban heat islands and climate change also are a modern reality. I'd like to understand how these thoughts are brought into society in large-scale method. Also, would like to understand how these concepts of non-violence and non-mosterhood over animals can be transmuted in Pacific Island societies and to people who traditionally rely on seafood as a, a primary source of nutrition, including protein, iron, zinc, nearly 1 billion people, especially when they no longer have access to these sources of food. Maybe that question is um, for Dr. Uh, Nandita, but I will answer it in the way I uh, see it. I think it is very difficult to uh, pick a question and and say and try to answer has how to resolve that problem in a universal manner. One of the things that we we'll have to restore is the respect for a, a community and uh, respect for um, you know organization of Indian life into distributed components. If we do this. Many of these things will uh, will settle down uh, all by itself, because because there is so much universalization of everything, the problems get become extremely compound. Even in laws, laws, you know how much universalized we have done. It is that is the reason why all problems become universal problems. Many problems are simple local problems. And if everybody else withdraws, then resolution happens automatically. So this universalization tendency, if we stop, actually it's not what we do, but actually what we stop is the reason why we will get some more uh, solutions. Uh, 